And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Banner Monday, where we begin each week the best way that we know how, and that is by talking IU and Big Ten basketball. We'll have Mike DeCorsi here with us in just a moment. Uh, a couple of quick housekeeping notes off the top. Uh, our next show will be Wednesday. Uh, IU plays Minnesota at 9 o'clock Eastern time, so it is a late tip. That'll be on the Big Ten Network. Uh, and then, of course, keep in mind as you search for tickets, whether it's for basketball tickets for the rest of this year, for March Madness, when that comes up, uh, use the link iutickets.shop. That'll take you directly to the IU ticket listings uh, on SeatGeek. And then when you use the promo code assembly, you'll get $10 off. And when you go to homefieldapparel.com, you can use our promo code assembly20 to get 20% off the most unique, the most comfortable IU apparel that you will find anywhere. All righty, and now I am pleased to welcome in from the Big Ten Network, the Sporting News, and Fox, one of the hardest working men in college hoops, especially on Valentine's Day, the venerable Mike, Dr. Love DeCourcy. Oh. <laughs> Mike, <clears throat> let's be honest, no one listening to this actually wants to talk hoops today after what we saw on Sunday, so let's, let's talk love with the doctor. Now that you're here, you've been married right. for a long time. Give the relative newbies like myself some advice on how to make every day like Valentine's Day. Okay, the first thing I would say is, you know, make sure that you tell your significant other how you feel every day and how, you know, I, my wife never has any doubt how beautiful she is or anything like that. I would always say that. Whatever you can do to go out of your way for them, always do it at you know, there'll be days, especially if you're a hoops writer, when it's not enough, a hoops writer in February, that's a dangerous spot. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and, you know, and I, I have a little trick of the trade that you, you, you mentioned about working hard on Valentine's Day. Um, what I did when I got when I when, when my wife and I got engaged, my uh, then girlfriend got engaged a long time ago, I calculated and I said, I'm going to ask her to marry me on February 12th. So that way I don't have to, we can go out and celebrate our engagement right around Valentine's day and then let everybody else try to squeeze into the restaurants on Valentine's day. So that has been a very successful strategy. Smart. We, I remember we went out one time on Valentine's day and it was a joke and it was miserable. And, and that was when I hatched a plan. Uh, it might've even been like, cause we, we went out like on our first Valentine's day and I, might've been our second or third that, you know, that, that we've been together, that we, that I, we got engaged. So I came up with that pretty quickly and that's been, that, that has really paid dividends. That is good thinking. That is good thinking. All right. Well, let's turn our attention to basketball. <laughs> this was a, this was a love hate week for Indiana fans with their team. Uh, obviously an up and down week, which game do you put more stock in Indiana's performance on Thursday against Iowa or their performance yesterday against Michigan? Well, I think they're both indicative of who the, this team is, and that's the problem. Uh, that when you look at the fact that they they came up with the effort necessary to beat an, an excellent Iowa team defensively, they made it really hard for Iowa. Now Iowa has compromised a little bit with no CJ Frederick. That really does limit them as an offensive team. But they they made you know they made the effort necessary to make that work, and they you know they executed offensively and Devontae had a great night and they were able to win. And then they went up to Michigan and they did not compete. I mean, that's, that's the simplest way to put it. And there was, there was such a low compete level there that I was frankly stunned. I, I, I've seen teams get run out of gyms 
in this league several times this year, mostly at Purdue, but there have been a few others as well. And usually it has to do with the home team being really overwhelming. And certainly Michigan played fine yesterday very well. But you could see the retreat in several Indiana players in this game. It was very disappointing. You are not beating anybody in this league. Anybody going backwards, so to speak. Or not going strong to the hoop. Or not closing out the way you need to close out and all those sorts of elements are fighting through screens. You're not beating anybody. And we saw that uh, to a slightly lesser extent in the Purdue loss at home. But uh, this was the most egregious example of that, that we've seen from Indiana yet this year. And it's, it's, it's frustrating for someone I'm sure who is an Indiana fan to see that because you want players who are invested in the team's success because team success benefits everyone. And if that is absent, then no one benefits. So on that point, Mike, because that is a great point, and we talked about that a lot on the postgame show yesterday, when you see a team that just continues to check out on the road at the first sign of real trouble, which has happened to Indiana in basically every road game except for the Nebraska game, does that suggest to you a group of players as individuals that just aren't very mentally tough? Or is it a group of players that simply aren't buying into what their coach is selling? And ho- hopefully the distinction there is is clear. I, I think mean. it's I think it's a pretty clear distinction. And and I will say that one would need to look at the coach's track record and see well what what did it what did previous players under him do? And I think all you had to do is look at Scoochie Smith's four years at Dayton, and I think you have your answer. Uh, Scoochie would, like, chew through wood if he had to to win. And that doesn't mean you won every game in the Atlantic 10. They didn't. Uh, they, they were an excellent team in the Atlantic 10. They weren't always dominant. Uh, they had years when they, uh, when they were fought, when, when people fought them hard for the conference tournament, excuse me, the conference championship or the conference tournament, because it was a good, solid league, and they had, at competitors. It wasn't like they blew everybody away, but they always fought. And so I, 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 I can't, you know, I can't go ahead and, and blame it on all on the coach. Now the, the coach's responsibility comes into this. You keep putting those guys out there. And I know your alternatives aren't abundant, but you keep putting them out there. And so why, what are they, what are they to be convinced of regarding the consequences of those kinds of efforts? I think that's that's the question that's fair to ask of the current staff. Yeah, absolutely. So we look ahead. Indiana plays Minnesota next. Minnesota just lost a home game to Iowa. How winnable is that game for or for Indiana? I mean, obviously they have to play much better than they have been on the road. But is this a game that Indiana can win, in your opinion? Well, the first thing you have to do is you have to find a way to slow Oturu. And I watched Penn State beat them a week ago Saturday, I believe it was, while allowing, I believe Oturu had 31, I think. That's right around there. So you don't necessarily have to shut him down, but you have to, you have to limit his access to the ball the best you can, limit his positioning as best you can, make him work, try to make him as inefficient as possible, all those sorts of things. And then you have to make sure that guys like, uh, Demir, who was not good yesterday against Iowa, or uh, Willis, 
who was also not good yesterday, uh, don't have big days because they're both capable. They've both had really good games this year. And you can't let Gabe Kalsher get going. Gabe was a little better yesterday than he's been at times shooting the basketball. I think it was two of five yesterday. That's pretty much a good day for him this year. He hasn't had a lot of three of fives, four of fives. Uh, he's really struggled making shots. He's a terrific player, and he did a fabulous defensive job yesterday uh, on Joe Camp. Uh, did just a great job. But uh, no one in this league has shown any propensity to stop Luca Garza. Uh, they did to, the, to an extent that they got that they got him in foul trouble and got him off the floor. Although some of that was Luca's own frustration at being defended by someone as immovable uh, and dynamic as Uturu. Uh, he got caught once uh, throwing an elbow in, into the, uh, toward, uh, toward Uturu's upper shoulder neck region. It probably caught him in the shoulder. It was definitely an offensive move but he was trying to clear space and he got caught and they looked at it for a flagrant, but they correctly ruled that it was not. Uh, but th- that they did a couple of things like that to get him in foul trouble, just frustrating him. Uh, you, you, Joey or Trace or Duran or somebody has to be able to stand in there uh, and slow him down and try to make it a, a tough day. I, 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 I mean, he's going to score. I, Based on what I've seen from Indiana's defense and what I've seen from Daniel, and he's gonna ha- he's gonna he's gonna get to twenty, but he can't get there on six of eight shooting. Uh, it's got to be inefficient, and in, and you've got to make it as hard as possible for him to get the ball and not foul him and put yourself in jeopardy. And then and, and then offensively, you've got something's got to happen. I, I I can't I can't tell you what I. You know, I can say get the ball to trace more often in better spots. And if you're playing Joey or um, or Duran, then then maybe you can distract Oturu that way. If you're if you've got Trace matched against Alejandro Mir and you don't get him the basketball as often as possible, it's on you. But it's been on them for a long time. I mean, going all the way back to Arkansas in those final nine minutes and the entire second half, it's been a problem all year. And I suppose you could say. The trace needs to demand the ball a little more. He's a freshman. He's a freshman. He can't tell seniors what to do. He can only say, hey, I'm open. Uh, And he may not be open every time down the floor, but he's open more than, what, four shots yesterday or whatever it was. He's open more than that. He's also struggled to get himself going in road games, too, you know, to kind of learn as some freshmen have to figure out how to bring that same enthusiasm and just verve, you know, on the road that you have at home. Last question about Indiana. And this is always a dicey proposition because, you know, we're not coaches. But as you look at what Indiana is doing, do you think it's time for – and look, we know Archie as a new coach has a certain way he wants to play. He's stubbornly putting that in and wants to keep doing it. Is it time to maybe try and shift things up a little bit to the, the, in a way that maybe fits the personnel better? You know, we talk a lot about the hard hedging with guys like Joey and Duran, which just – you know, doesn't work very much because you have two guys that aren't very good at it. You know, some of the offensive stuff that we've talked about. I mean, at what point are you just being too stubborn about your own stuff at the expense of your current players and your current team? And at what point is that, you know, a virtue that will win out in the end? I always look at it as as you're a golfer. And, and I use this specifically as a metaphor in regards to zone defense, but I think it applies across the board. 
you're a golfer. You have 14 clubs in your bag. You have a caddy at your side. If you go out there and you play the, the same five clubs on every shot, even though one club's going to call for one, one shot's going to call for a seven iron and, and, you, and you need a sand wedge. Uh, you know, I, I always use the sand wedge as the zone defense metaphor because, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not going to take a sand wedge. I'm not going to use it. It's not manly. You know, it's not, it's not macho zone defense. You know, I don't buy that. I believe you have to have 14 clubs and use them all. And yeah, you, you know, you, you, if you have certain ways that you do things and you want to be great at them, you can, you can win big that way. Uh, Michigan state does that a lot. Uh, and, and, it, you know, and you, so you see over time that it, it has been really successful for Tom. They, they don't often switch on screens early in games. They might late on final possession circumstances, that sort of thing. But the, their, their approach is, you know, you you fight through it. That's your job. And that got him beat against, against Virginia tech out in Maui early in the year. They kept running, uh, Aaron Henry through screens for open shooters uh, at Virginia Tech. They're not a very good team. Uh, they were that day because they made shots and because Aaron Henry wasn't able to get through the screens and they didn't switch them. So it, it, sometimes you keep fighting that and you keep forcing that. But it's different in November when you're trying to establish a style of play and in February when you're playing for your life. I mean, I had I had I put out my most recent bracket today. And look, I'm not the not the God of basketball. I'm not the gatekeeper. I'm not saying you're, you know, I'm not saying I'm keeping you in or uh, keeping you out or putting you in, but I have them now as a, for, as a first four game. So whether if I'm, if I, if I'm a lot wrong, they're a 10, if I'm a lot wrong, they also could be all the way out if I'm a lot wrong. So I, that, that means you're, you're fighting for your life in every game. And so you have to use whatever is at your disposal to save your life. That, I mean, that's an extreme metaphor, but that's the reality. I mean, you, you, have to, you, have, you have to do whatever you can to get to that victory stand. And if it doesn't work, uh, then you live to fight another day. But, you know, playing to, to eschew certain ways of playing on the basis of this is how we do things. I think that goes out the window when you're, when you're struggling to achieve. Yeah. You know, if Indiana does make it back to the tournament, just based on the way the last three years have been going, it absolutely will be in Dayton's bracket with Dayton as the number one seed and playing in Dayton for the first four. Like that just (laughs) seems like it would be the the appropriate way for this to end. Um, All right. Let's talk about the conference. Coming into the season, Michigan State was everybody's pick for number one. It was obvious. There, weren't, there wasn't even anybody else in the conversation. And now you look at the standings here on February 17th. Maryland's in first, Penn State's in second, and Michigan State is tied with Iowa and Rutgers. What on earth is going on, and how do you power rank it? <laughs> well, I would start with Maryland. I think they're having an amazing year, and they did a great job coming back. And when I was, when I was breaking down the game for, big t- for the big show on Saturday night, I, I, I focused on the mistakes that Michigan State made because the game was in their hands and they let it get away. And Rocket Watts helped off of Anthony Cowan in two consecutive possessions and left open a guy who is a dagger shooter. I mean, he's done it all year, his whole career, really. And so that, you know, that, those, were ma- they, those were massive mistakes that changed that game. 
And then Xavier Tillman made the massive mistake on the one that clinched it uh, on the ball screen, choosing not to control the basketball when that guy had just made two consecutive threes. You know, you I mean, you got to be aware of what's around you and instead tried to recover to his own man, Jalen Smith, and ran over his teammate and effectively did a better screen than Jalen ever could have. And so I focused on that. But what I as I as I watched that that back uh, replayed that night on on BTN, I started to think, yeah, but how smart was Turge to make to put Rocket in those situations where he had to make those decisions to, to put Anthony in a position to be basically the shooting guard in those in those sets to be off the ball to 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 give up the basketball after it was brought up and then go be the shooting guard and be dangerous from that standpoint and play into the into the help to to force rocket to either stay home and then maybe you get an open lane to the goal i don't think he would have but that in in you know in the defender's mind that's what he's got to think about if he stays home anthony doesn't get those shots uh but the ha- the habit you've been ingrained especially as a freshman You've been taught since you got there. When the ball comes down the lane, you got to cheat off. And he did. And he left wide open a one of the one of the great, great clutch shooters in this league. And Anthony Cowan made two in a row. So I I I've spent the last two days trying to make sure people understand that every every game has two sides to it. And there was Michigan State side, which was a massive error on the part of a guy who had done a phenomenal defensive job for 37, 38 minutes in rocket Watts made two significant errors. And then a senior teammate made a third, but there was also the really smart plays that Turge made Turge called to open Anthony for those game winning shots. Uh, So big, big ups to him. Uh, to have them in the position where they are, where they're now leading the league by a game and leading everyone in the league uh, besides Penn State by at least multiple games. Uh, Penn State, number two, on an incredible role, playing great basketball, even without uh, a significant player in Myron Jones. They continue to find ways to be productive and, and, and at both ends. Uh, they're, they're, having a, they're having a great run. You know, I think... I think that it's interesting beyond those two, because then you get into, you know, if you look at the league standings, um, you know, the league standings are what they are. You just explain them. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm putting Michigan in that group. Michigan with Isaiah Livers is 11 and three, 11 and three when he finishes a game. So the two games he left Presbyterian, and I think the second one was Illinois. Uh, you know, he doesn't get any credit for Presbyterian. They were going to win him. They're going to win with me playing power forward, but they, he didn't finish. And then the other one was Illinois where he played 20 minutes and it was close. And then he's out and then they kind of, uh, will, will, Wilton. So that, so though, other than that, and then the games he missed, they're 11 and three. I mean, that would, that if you, you know, if you played a full season, that's, you know, or at least close to it, you're 22 and six, that's a heck of a record. So I'm putting Michigan in that top group until they prove me wrong. I think with Isaiah Livers, they're still one of the best teams in this league, especially with Austin Davis playing the way he is. He gives them a legitimate uh, alternative to Teske. Uh, he's given them unbelievable minutes. And he was, a, he was maybe the difference in the IU game. 
And then the fourth team I would put in that group is probably Iowa uh, going on. the. Now, that's a full strength Iowa. And today they are not. I don't know how long it's going to take for them to get back C.J. Frederick. And I don't know how hard it's going to be for them to hold on without him because offensively they are really challenged when they don't have him. Uh, it's hard to say about that about a team that has a guy who can go get 40 uh, and may at any point, but it, it really does cause problems for them offensively to not have Frederick out. It's amazing. Indiana is tied for 12th place. They're two and a half games out of third right now, <laughs> <laughs> See? which is insane. It's crazy. Uh, where do you fall right now on the player of the year race? Because, you know, Luca Garza obviously is putting up crazy stats. And Alex and I had a chat about this on podcast on the brink last week that, you know, his inability to provide a lot defensively to Alex, you know, he's a first team all Big Ten guy, but that in his mind kind of disqualifies him from being player of the year. Where do you where do you fall on that? Well, look at him as a poor defender. Um, you know, I think he did a really solid job on Uturu yesterday. I, 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 he's not, you know, he's not an elite defender, but you know, he does, he does block shots. Uh, he does, I think he does his job solidly. I, I, to me, he's, he's the clear winner of player of the year. Now they have to stay in the hunt, you know, and what does in the hunt mean? I mean, not, they're obviously not going to win it. Uh, so in the hunt probably means top five, top six, if they fell below that, you know, if they wound up, playing on Thursday in Indy in an eight, nine game or something, I might look for an alternative and I would, wouldn't have to look very far. There are plenty of excellent alternatives. Lamar Stevens, uh, certainly uh, Jalen Smith would be another. Uh, this league is, is loaded with great teams. You know, when on, on big 10 basketball and beyond Sunday night, one of the things we discussed doing uh, and we ultimately decided to just do a big 10 player draft, but we, we, we discussed possibly just, taking the best players in the big 10 and comparing them to the best players in the country. And I really believe, although the big 10 is wing challenged, there's not a lot of great wing players in the big 10. That's the one weakness of the league, probably excellent point guards, unbelievable bigs, not a lot of great wings, but it's a, it's a really interesting comparison to see how special the, the top players in this league are the Stevens, uh, Toru, uh, Garza, Jalen Smith, uh, Desumu. It, it's just it, it, Anthony Cowan. It's it's an amazing group of players, and you know I I probably left off some excellent players on there because there are so many you, we could do the whole podcast just naming excellent Big Ten players from this season. So. Again, looking at the standings, you've got three teams with nine wins and six losses. Iowa, Michigan State, and Rutgers, all tied for third right now. And then you've got three teams with eight losses, Purdue, Indiana, and Minnesota. If I told you that one of those three teams with nine wins is going to finish in the bottom half of the conference, and one of those three teams with eight losses is going to finish in the top half, who do you think, who do you think it would be? In other words, which of those teams are, you know, based on the schedule they have coming up and what you've seen you know, is their position a little bit perilous or on the other hand, are they primed to kind of make a run here at the end? Well, you know, Rutgers still has not gotten it done on the road. So that worries me about them. Uh, they have been the best team in college basketball at home, 17 and 0 on the road, one and six. Don't think they, I guess the closest thing they played to a neutral game was the, uh, the Michigan game at MSG. Uh, they, they have not played a lot of neutral games. They didn't play in an exempt or whatever. 
Uh, so I, I would worry. I, I don't worry about them getting in, uh, but I, you know, they, they, I have Rutgers fans saying, Hey, why aren't we seated higher? And, you know, I just have to point to the road record, the road slash neutral record, and it's just not there. And they're going to have to play on the road down the stretch. And it's, you know, they got like, they got to go to Wisconsin next Sunday. That's a game we'll have on BTN uh, at, at one Eastern. And, that's, you know, I don't have great confidence in them there. I mean, I don't have great confidence anyone goes into Wisconsin, but especially not a team that isn't winning on the road. And then what was, what was the, the the connected part of that? Because that question is about as complicated as – Yes, that, I know. It was difficult. It was difficult. So then the other three teams <laughs> – the other three teams are Purdue, Indiana, and Minnesota. They all have eight losses. Which one of those do you think is most likely to finish in the top half of the conference? Wow. Um let me see that. Uh, that that's going to require a schedule examination. I probably so, should have okay. sent sent you this ahead of time. Yeah. So okay, <laughs> at Minnesota, Penn State, at Purdue, at Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin. At least you get to be at home for some of those tough games. Uh, and so it's but it's it's basically fifty fifty. So that's not super promising for the Hoosiers. Uh, for the Boilers. We're looking at five games remaining at Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana, uh, at Iowa, and Rutgers. So they have fewer games remaining. But you know, they the, Purdue is a team that I took out of the bracket this week. They were they're fourteen and twelve now, uh, and they're fourteen and twelve at this point. And I, I can't put a team in the bracket at fourteen and twelve. I, I just I just can't do it. At this stage. Now, I may reconsider that when we get to Selection Sunday, but it's only happened like three or four times that teams have gotten in at two games over 500. It's very rare. So I, t- I, I take them out of the mock, and anybody out that's only two games over. And if you're three over, then you're eligible. And if you're produced three over, they're in because their record's really solid. And then from there, I look at Minnesota, and they're now 500. And they've got Indiana home at Northwestern, Maryland at home at Wisconsin, at Indiana and Nebraska. So they get the, the, the benefit they got is they've got two opportunities to play the bottom of the league. And that's 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 a rarity uh, for teams down the stretch. I think there's one or two other teams that have that. It's 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 a real advantage to have both of them in your finishing stretch. But Indiana is further back than a lot of teams now. I, I'm talking relative to the tournament. Relative to the standings question you just asked me, I think that Minnesota's in the best position because they've got those two games, plus they got IU on their floor. So they have the advantage there. Uh, I, know, I know Minnesota also has to come to IU, but, of course, IU doesn't have the two, the two uh, bottom-level bottom games. So I would have to say that relative to the standings, Minnesota's in the best spot, but they're also by far in the worst spot relative to the to the field because they're only 500 and they've got to put distance they've got to put a lot of distance between that uh between their wins and their losses between now and the end of the year yep so we won't talk to you again before indiana also plays penn state next week or or this weekend they play penn state on sunday is that game on sunday yeah that game is on sunday so i'd love to get your thoughts just on that game and you know penn state is just beating everybody on the road right now. So your thoughts on if Indiana can win. But more than that, you know, obviously Pat Chambers has been there for a long time. This is going to be his first appearance in the NCAA tournament. They were rewarded for being patient with him. 
is this going to be one of those things where Penn State just kind of bubbled up this year with a perfect collection of seniors and then young guys, but they fall back to being Penn State when they lose Lamar Stevens and Mike Watkins? Or are you seeing something that is more built to last here for what Pat Chambers has? Well, it's sustain- this is not sustainable because so much of it is built on Lamar Stevens. I mean, they are not going to have an All-America level player next year, and though they're not easy to get. Uh, it's, they're not easy for anybody to get, let alone uh, a team with Penn State's history. Uh, so this is not sustainable. That I have a Matu seed in my most recent bracket. Wow. But competitive for the tournament. If you look at their, what they have, I mean, uh, Isaiah Brockington will be back. Uh, Miles Dredd will be back. Uh, Myron Jones will be back. John Harrow will be back. So they have a good core of players, a, a core of players that can be competitive at the top end in the upper half of the Big Ten. And if the Big Ten's anything or anything close to what it is this year, uh, it'll be, you know, it'll being in the top half will once again put you pretty close to being in the field. And so I think they can sustain that, you know, relative to, to playing uh, the, the Hoosiers. I, I think the first thing that has to happen, you know, I've always looked at, at Justin Smith as a player who can be an elite defender or should be an elite defender, to be frank. And this is an opportunity for him to make a massive impact. I don't think he'll have full responsibility for, for Lamar, but I think he'll probably start there and have a lot of it. And he can use his length, his, his ups, his, his dynamism to perhaps challenge uh, Lamar in a way that not a lot of guys in this league can. I mean, like I said, league is short on wings. It's not, it's not rich in those kinds of players. So, and that's true at both ends of the floor. But Indiana does have Justin, so I, you know, I think that's um, that's something that they should build their game plan around. And then offensively, I think they have to ride the crowd a little bit. Uh, they have to be, you know, they have to be smart about what they do. Uh, they have to be able to, you know, to use when they play two bigs. Uh, usually, they're going up. It's very rare for Penn State to play. Uh, to play Hera and and uh, Mike Watkins at the same time, so usually you're matched against um, against Lamar. Uh, one of those two bigs probably, uh, uh, you know, probably uh, Trace would be matched against Lamar. So he's got to you know he's got to use his size and his length and his ability to get up uh, to 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 bother Lamar. Maybe put him in foul trouble if you can. I mean, I, Lamar doesn't foul a lot. But if you can in any way, that would be an advantage. Look, they almost beat Maryland at home two weeks ago, whatever it was, two and a half. Yep. I mean, they almost they had the game. So you could beat the best teams in this league in that gym. I mean, they've already proven that. They did it to Michigan State. They, they had Maryland beaten. So you can do that. Uh, but you have to deliver that kind of effort. Last question for you, Mike. What other games around the league are you watching this week? Yeah, it's a big week uh, for Penn State. I mean, the road game there, and they have uh, Illinois coming in, and I don't know exactly what we'll get from Illinois. They did not look good without Io, and I don't know what his status is for that game. I believe it's Tuesday night. Uh, I don't know what his status is. They say day-to-day and, and don't seem eager to expand upon that. Uh, but uh, without Io, they got to find a way to get into their offense. They just did not do a good job of that at Rutgers. Uh, I, I think Purdue, it's a huge huge week for them uh, because they they go to Wisconsin and then they have Michigan coming in uh on the weekend and that's you know that's an enormous opportunity uh for Purdue to get another great win at home 
And then, of course, you know, they're going into one of the really difficult gyms in the Big Ten in the, in the country and playing a really a really developing team that's continuing to get better in, in Wisconsin. So big win, big, big week for, for the Boilers. And, you know, honestly, at this point, um, when you are, when you are in the bubble group and there is a bubble now, it's okay to talk about it. It's no longer a fiction, fictional concept. I mean, the teams that are on the bubble now have four or five games left to change their season. They can't, they don't have four or five games necessarily to change their teams. It's just, you know, none of the none of the teams that are on the bubble are going out and winning five games. It just doesn't happen. It, it, they've shown who they are, and who they are is somewhat inconsistent, but still pretty good. And so, uh, you've got to try to win the games that you can, but you also kind of have to root against the teams that are in your circumstance. That's one of the key elements of being a fan of a bubble team. So this this week for the Boilers is also a big week for the Hoosiers because they're both in the same bunch of teams. More reason to cheer against Purdue. All right. Kind of what I'm saying, but I'm, I'm not advocating cheering against Purdue. I like <laughs> you know, I, you know I, I like the Boilers, so I, I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying that uh, if you are a Hoosiers fan, that's kind of where your head has to be. <laughs> I know that comes naturally, so uh, yes. you know, much encouragement. Well, Mike, I appreciate your professionalism. Podcast listeners don't know this, but in between every question, I've been over here hacking up a lung, and uh, we're on video, so you can see it. A couple times, you've given a look like, is he going to die while we're, <laughs> while we're talking? So I, I appreciate you fighting through that and, uh, and answering all of the questions. So fighting, fighting a little bit of an illness. Well, so. you're, it, it was a champion's <laughs> performance by you, Jared, to get through that. I hit the mute button in timely fashion every time, so glad we could do that. Well, Mike, thank you. We always appreciate your insight and... We'll talk to you next week. Hopefully, Sounds look great. next week. If Indiana only has only wins one out of two games, I think we'll all be ecstatic. If Indiana can pick up, okay, maybe not ecstatic because it'd be nice to get both of them. But that would be a pretty good week for the Hoosiers if you can get one of these next two games, either on the road or at home against Penn State. So, got to get one of them to, to keep moving along. So, we'll look forward to talking to you then, Mike. Have fun. Cool. Thank you. All right, the great Mike DeCourcy, Mike Doctor Love DeCourcy, always here with us on Mondays. Talking Hoosier basketball, my apologies to everybody watching on video who had to witness me coughing like crazy uh, in between, but glad that, you know, I don't think any of the coughs slipped through on the podcast, so that was good. I didn't even need to mention it, and no one would have known. Uh, anyway, we'll be here Wednesday night. I don't know if I'm going to be on the postgame show, because it's late, and I'm trying to get more sleep as I kind of fight this illness, so we will see what everybody else's schedule is and if they can uh, if they can handle that post game show i may take a step to the left and let them do it but either way uh we'll be here for you with a post game show you know i don't know i guess as i said that you know if you win one out of the next two are you happy you know winning one out of the next two kind of feels like i mean it is the bare minimum you know because you've got a home game so you got to win that one we know that and it would have been nice to win one out of these two road games and we already dropped one so you know, but given how this team has performed, if they can get one out of two, you kind of still feel like you're tracking to be okay. You know, things are still moving. If you lose both of them, and then you're what? What's Indiana's record going to be if you lose both of those? Six and ten in conference play at that point because they're six and eight right now. I mean, now you're really, really behind the eight ball. So, got to win at least one of these next two, kind of keep things moving along, and uh, you know, you got to keep people interested for those final two home games against Minnesota and Wisconsin. Hopefully there's a lot to play for, uh, and hopefully all the fans are still really excited to go out and you know provide that sixth-man boost that we know Assembly Hall can be. So anyway, that was a rough game on Sunday. Uh, it was a rough post-game show, but we appreciate you listening to it. 
It was always good to get uh, it's always good to get the insight from Mike DeCorsi that we get here on Mondays. So appreciate him coming. And we will talk to you guys Wednesday night after IU Minnesota. Take care. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.